Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Soap Central Live. I'm your host, Dan Kroll, and this week we're going to have another one of those shows that no soap fan will want to miss. It's because we're going to be talking about all five soaps still on the air, as well as quite a few soaps that are not. So no matter whether you live in Genoa City, Landview, Port Charles, or call some other soap town home, we're going to have something that you're going to want to hear and talk about today. So what is it that we're talking about? Well, today we're welcoming back a friend of the show who hasn't been here since June. So that means there's a whole lot of stuff to catch up on. And we're also going to be looking ahead at some of the big November sweeps period storylines. Just a reminder, though, before we get too far into today's show, the first annual SoapCentral.com pet photo contest is winding down. If you haven't yet entered a photo of your favorite pooch, kitty, or other pet, you have until midnight on October 31st to submit your photo. If you want to find out what you need to do to do that, you can visit SoapCentral.com pets for all the information of how you can submit a photo and win some really cool prizes from Julie Berman's new online venture that helps pets in an eco-friendly sort of environment. Okay, so let's get on to today's show. My guest this week is a frequent visitor here to Soap Central Live. He's the executive editor of Soaps in Depth. He's an avid tweeter, a devoted soap fan, and you never know quite what he's going to say, so that means he's the perfect guest for this show. Of course, I'm talking about Richard Sims. Richard, welcome back to Soap Central Live. And the crowd goes wild. Okay, big question. Big question. Am I allowed to submit a sort of feral, animalistic human being as my favorite pet because Charlie hasn't shaved in a few days and I think he would totally win. Well, there are three categories. We've got uh, cutest pet, we've got a Halloween costume, and then we have pet that looks most like a soap star. So you've got three to Mm. choose from. I'm totally working this in. (laughs) Well, you you have plenty of time. You have until the 31st to submit. But uh, more importantly than that, it has been four months since you were last here. That was uh, the Emmy preview show that we did. So since then, we've got the Emmys took place. All My Children Went Off the Air. Days has been rebooted. As the World Turns is on DVD. Before we get into today's show, is there anything that you absolutely need to get off your chest here at the top of the show? Well... Let's see. Yes, 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 yes. Um, You know, there is. Of course there is. It's me. Of course there's something. Um, You know, I've been really, I have to say, one of the things I love about Twitter, and I was was actually tweeting this earlier today, I was tweeting why I love Twitter, is is the instant reaction and the conversation and debate that you can have. And, and this week it's been really heated because of the General Hospital story that had Lisa um, kind of threatening to inject Patrick with Robin's HIV-infected blood. That's a hard sentence to say. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of people were horrified and offended and just, you know, up in arms about this story. And, and I actually took a fair amount of heat because I personally thought that it was a very unique, very brave story. I thought, and I say brave in a weird way because, you know, I mean brave on the part of the network to play a story like this because to me, 
It made sense. Um, you know, people were upset because Robin's HIV has always been treated, you know, has always been like, you know, either in the background or when it's brought out, it's used as sort of a, almost an educational, you know, kind of kind of PSA kind of thing. And to me, I'm not a fan of, I don't think that all gay characters have to be good guys. I don't think that you can, I, I don't like stories telling that, stays within bounds. And so the fact that a complete nut job who happens to be a doctor would come up with the idea of giving, you know, taking the blood and injecting it into Robin, to me, that made sense. Now, where the story lost me a little bit was when Robin turned around and try and tried to attack Lisa with the same needle. Because to me, even though Robin had been pushed to the edge, and I guess I can kind of see that, but to me, whereas a psycho like Lisa would do that, our good girl Robin would not use her own, you know, her own, her own disease as a weapon. She wouldn't do that. I think she would pick up a gun or any other item that happened to be handy and pound Lisa in the head with it. But I don't necessarily see her, you know, stabbing her with a needle, which really isn't going to be deadly in any way, except for giving her the potentially deadly HIV. So, you know, I took a lot of heat for this because, you know, a lot of people, Jamie Giddens and, and, and others out in the soap world, really were up in arms about this story. And I've continued to defend it all week, except for the Robin point. Um, but that's something I love about Twitter is, is, you know, I was able to have really interesting conversations with a lot of people, some of whom agreed with me, most of whom didn't. But I just think that's, I think that's awesome. And I, like I said, I want to give GH, I, I don't think, I'm not loving everything on GH right now, but I want to give them props for doing something that got people talking and it was outside of the box. Absolutely. Well, you know, to play devil's advocate on this as well, this is something that has been done in the real world. We've heard real-world news stories where people have threatened to inject people with blood, whether it really was HIV-positive or not, or whether it was just a, a, a scare tactic. Just, there was just a case in the news a couple weeks ago about a, I think it was a woman who uh, injected her sleeping husband with HIV. And it's been done on Law and & Order and, you know, and SVU and shows like that. And I think, I, I think the real problem that a lot of the audience had is – on the surface, they have a problem with the storyline, but I think their bigger problem is that this is, you know, this is Robin, who, you know, we've grown up, we've watched grow up, and blah, blah, blah. I think if this was happening, and I also think, you know, you bring in something like HIV, mm -hmm. and it's automatically going to push buttons, you know, it's, and, and I and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think you can make a show that is all about controversy, but I don't think that a show should necessarily avoid controversy. I don't think there's anything wrong with doing something that's going to get, you know, that's going to, you know, kind of jolt the audience and wake them up. Well, I, I have to agree. I think that we're going to move on and talk about some other things. So we certainly want to hear what our listeners think about this storyline. So if you are following it, you can tweet your thoughts to Soap Central Live. We'll read what you have to say, and, and certainly see how controversial it is. But to what you were saying before we move on is the fact that even though we, we've come a long way from when the Stone-Robin storyline first came into being in daytime, you know, HIV-AIDS is still very scary for a lot of people, whether it's because you know they maybe don't have the facts or uh, you know certainly it's not like stubbing a toenail even though there are medications that can keep this in check it's still a very mm -hmm. scary topic for people and i think that uh, it is as you said it's very brave it's ballsy whatever you want to call it for the writers to even attempt something like this and uh, it'll be interesting to see 
how as it plays out further on screen and as fans really get a chance to react to it to see what the general consensus is to see if if this sort of gamble uh, paid out the way that they wanted it to. So exactly. We say all of that to say that we're talking about soaps that are still on the air, and while there are fewer soaps now than there were a year ago, it seems that we're going to be talking about more soaps today than we were actually talking about a year ago. How is that possible? Well, it's because we've got a lot of interesting news regarding some of the soaps that have been canceled. Let's first start with – we'll go alphabetically. We'll start with All My Children. You haven't been here since the finale, so just briefly wrapping it up, uh, what did you think of the last few episodes, the last few weeks of All My Children? Uh, the last the last week was a mixed bag. Um, you know, I, I, it, it was – I think they had a lot of problems as far as – I thought the Kane Women episode – the fact that they opted not to show flashbacks because they would be flashbacks with, you know, people other than the actresses currently playing some of the roles, I think that was a big mistake. I think I think we as an audience wanted to see it. I also really could not stand the whole break the fourth wall thing. I thought that was a really big mistake. The final episode, um, I, I, I've said it before and I'll say it again, if Prospect Park really does pick up all my children and it really does get back on, then I thought that final episode was absolutely brilliant. If they don't pick it back up, it was one of the worst endings in soap history because it will then go from a cliffhanger to a finale. And as a cliffhanger, it was awesome, but as a finale, it kind of sucked. Well, you're saying if it does pick up. We've heard a lot of information about One Life to Live, which we'll talk about later in the hour, but there's been very little in the way of news about All My Children moving to the web. We have Cameron Matheson, uh, Lindsay Hartley, and now, in theory, Darnell Williams on board. We have Susan Lucci, who may or may not be on board. We've got a whole bunch of All My Children stars that have moved on to other soaps, which may or may not preclude them from being part of All My Children on the web. Is this as sort of tenuous and scary as some All My Children fans are thinking, or do do we all need to sort of take a deep breath, calm down, and just wait for things to play out? Well, you know, anybody who knows me knows that I find this whole thing incredibly tentative. I mean, you know, to be this far along, and they still don't have deals with the unions, which if, if that falls through, everything falls through. You know, there's no show if that falls through. Um, you know, all of the deals that are on the table right now are tentative based on, you know, assumptions that they will be able to form some kind of agreement with the unions. And as an article in the New York Times pointed out a week or two ago, they don't have their financing in place. So, you know, I am, I am a little skeptical. Um, for something that's supposed to start in January, at this point, I'd like to know more. I'd like to know, you know, what other shows they plan on having on this network, because clearly you can't run an online network with only All My Children and One Life to Live. Um, so, so I think the whole thing is a little tentative. You know, there is nothing I love more, despite what people think. Um, and, and contrary to popular opinion, there's nothing, absolutely nothing I love more than being proven wrong when it comes to this kind of stuff. I've been skeptical about this from day one. I remain skeptical about it today. And the day that the network launches with both All My Children and One Life to Live on it, I will eat all the crow that anyone can serve me happily. Well, that sounds like a plan. You're talking about uh, 
eating crow and, and what have you, I have a can on my desk in my office that I let everyone know if they would like to put some money in. We will send it at the end of the year to Prospect <laughs> Park. Whatever it is, if it's a couple of dollars, whatever it is, we'll send it along, and hopefully maybe that will make the difference between getting some of these soaps on the air and not. But while those, uh, while All My Children One Life to Live may or may not be on their way to the Internet at some point in 2012 – a done deal is As the World Turns, classic episodes on DVD for the very first time, plans for Guiding Light episodes on DVD for the first time later, uh, probably the first quarter of 2012. This is exciting. This is a time where soap fans are told their soaps didn't matter, they needed to go away, and now here they are coming back. So what are your thoughts about soaps on DVD and this whole sort of uh, resurrection of soaps? As always, I, I, I kind of look at it as a, as a mixed bag. I'm very excited about it as for, for fans as far as, you know, getting these episodes on DVD. I wish that the company behind it wasn't going quite so cheap. Instead of seeing, like, you know, an episode that features, among other things, a wedding or a, or a big plot twist or whatever, I wish that they, you know, had edited, re-edited them into whole storyline kind of things. I'm a big fan of that kind of stuff. But as it goes, you know, it's awesome. It's a great thing. It's and, and again, this is something where I'm perfectly happy to eat crow because I, um, or at least eat a little bit of crow. When, when a, a while back there was a lot of talk about, you know, why can't they put them on DVD? Why can't they do this? And I said that it's not feasible. And I still stand by what I originally said because what I was talking about was putting the entire show on DVD. Um, you know, there are, there are so many issues that go along with that, not the least of which is, is the cost of doing so and would there be enough people buying it and music rights and all that. But for what they're doing right now, I'm so stoked. I think it's great. My big excitement will come in with, um, for me personally, the, um, the company that's doing it has the right to a lot of other shows, including The Edge of Night. And if when they start streaming, they include The Edge of Night in their streaming, I will, you won't see me anymore because I will spend 24 hours a day in front of my computer watching episodes <laughs> of The Edge of Night, which was my all-time favorite soap opera. We have a regular listener named William who uh, calls in frequently to talk about The Edge of Night. I know that he will be there right with you. Maybe we can get the two of you somehow together and we can rent out a, a, a big room and, and broadcast, stream some of these shows live oh. on a big screen. Uh, popcorn and everything, I think it would be amazing. Exactly. So we talked about some of the soaps that are no longer with us. Let's turn our attention to the soaps that are. Again, we're going to keep alphabetically just to keep things in order. I like to keep things neat and tidy. Uh, so that I'm going to assume you're going to do the alphabetical part because we both know I don't know my alphabet. <laughs> well, you should know your ABCs of not just soaps in depth, but your ABCs just in general. But we'll start with we don't have any A soaps left. We have to move right to B. So that will be the bold and the beautiful. Now, one of the things that has come up in the past week or so is this buzz about a royal visit from Princess Theodora of Greece and Denmark, who will be visiting the Bold and the Beautiful in December. Uh, I guess, who cares? Well, you, you know, know, for some reason, some people are, are, are very fascinated by royal families. I've never have been, which I guess is a, it's sort of a contradiction since soaps are soapy and so is the royal family, but I've never seen a royal wedding, and I have no desire to. I think I'd be more interested in this. Um, am I right? She's like playing a secretary or something. She is. I think, I think I would be much more interested in this if she was coming on and playing herself. Because, you know, sort of like Gossip Girl. Gossip Girl does a great job 
of treating its rich people like rich people. And they, they have real people come on all the time who would normally, who would interact with these, these kind of people. So it would make sense for a princess to come to Forrester and have them, de- you know, to have them design a gown or something. I would be much more interested in that because to me, otherwise, you know, I, I don't really know why I would care that a princess is coming on and playing and playing a a secretary. Well, maybe a secretary can come on and play a princess later on, <laughs> later on in December. That'll be amazing. Uh, you know, some of the things that I, I've heard from folks who are longtime viewers of The Bold and the Beautiful is they don't necessarily enjoy that a lot of the storylines are focused around the younger set. So there is some stuff coming along in November that will focus on some of the more veteran, I guess that's politically correct, some more veteran performers, particularly the old folks. The old folks. Uh, I mean, there'll be some interactions and some big storylines for Stephanie and Eric, which shows that old people need love, too, if you want to call them old people. Um, But what are some of the things coming up in November that you think will really appeal to your core, bold, beautiful viewer? Well, I do think that the Eric, Eric Stephanie stuff... Uh, is really relatable. You know, I think it's a great story. My my big problem with it is how quickly they moved Jackie and Owen apart. Like, in one mm-hmm. episode, they ended that. And I, I really thought that was disrespectful to the Joan fans. I thought that was just... It was just... I don't understand The Bold and the Beautiful right now. I don't understand a lot of what they're doing. Um, they've always had this thing where they sort of get caught in telling one story and they tell it for for five or six weeks, and there's no other story on the canvas. Right now we've got that with, with Liam and Hope and Steffi. And I started out loving this triangle, but the minute Liam ran off and, and married Hope, or married Steffi, I said, I have, this guy's a jerk. I have no interest in this triangle anymore because the guy at the center of it is a jerk. And, you know, you're basically trying to create, recreate Hope, uh, I mean, Brooke, Ridge, and Taylor, that story unfolded over years, and you're telling this one in, like, six weeks. So I'm not real thrilled with it, but I'm hoping that it's going to head in a slightly different direction. The story I'm most interested in coming in November is twofold. One is Hope's new direction, because being that this is the bold and the beautiful, of course she can't look for a new love outside of her family. <laughs> why would she do that? And, and really, why would you when you've got hunk of hunk of burn and love Thomas sitting right there? So... Thomas and Hope will be the latest borderline obsession or borderline incest couple to hit the bold and the beautiful. And I think that's going to be a lot of fun because I can't wait to see everybody react to that. I really believe that the bold and beautiful writers have read one too many B.C. Andrews novels. And they're just (laughs) because because I swear to God, every story on that show is incestuous. But I kind of like it because... You know, it, it's it's what the BM, it's what B and B is. It's it's always been that way, and it sort of is. The other story I'm really kind of looking forward to, and I want them to finally step up. It's starting again this week a little bit. Is the Taylor Thorne kind of fighting for their place in Forrester? That story's been a long time coming, and I think a lot of people want to see it. You know, I'm I'm still stuck on your. Uh incest is the new bold and beautiful uh, or well or whatever you were trying to say about loving these sort of incestuous relationships but i do i love them because there's because you know what it does it brings out the hypocrisy of everyone on the canvas because you know brooke is going to be one of the people who is very upset about this and in, and and so she's going to try and break up Steffi and liam in an attempt to 
you know, free him up so that so that Hope can go back to him. But, you know, Brooke, you don't get to be upset because she's dating, you know, her kind of stepbrother. I mean, you dated Ridge and Eric and Thorne and Nick and, you know, anybody who ever even crossed the forest <laughs> or threshold. So, uh. and, and so, and I love when the b I love when B&B does that, when it does hypocrisy, you know, when mm-hmm. it has Taylor, you know, Try and go into psycho babble mode when she's clearly the worst shrink on the planet. I love that stuff. Oh, I also love the fact that you know you can say that maybe the ideas, the storylines are sort of recycled. But what's so smart about the bold and beautiful is that they so cleverly make it so that fans are either on one side of the aisle or the other, and that there will always be some headbutting between the fans to sort of keep the discussion going, to sort of. Uh, continue that even if it's into uh, another generation of of the family it, it to me it's smart because what better way you have to tick off some fans in order to you know really keep that discussion going as well if everything were happy and and, and great you wouldn't have that discussion level but when we're talking about discussion one of the things that another soap did is completely rebooted its storytelling they brought back characters from the past they've decided they're going to take a sort of a new direction in storytelling of course i'm talking about days of our lives so since you were last here we've got this reboot days of our lives 2.0 that some people are calling it whatever it is uh let's talk a little bit about it do you believe this is a full-fledged reboot or do you think that it's sort of a reboot in sheep's clothing um i think I think it's a better reboot than GH, which I'm sure we'll get to, but um, but I'm still a little uncertain about it. Like, parts of it are working, parts of it aren't. Um, I like the, you know, I think it was really smart bringing John and Marlena back and having John be, like, accused of this crime and making him the center and then making Carrie his lawyer and Austin. I, I think there's a lot of really interesting things at play. I'm not sure that... I, I feel bad for the writers because, frankly, let's face it, there's a huge part of the audience that they don't give a crap what you reboot. All they want is EJ and Sammy together. And if you're not going to move EJ and Sammy together, you can reboot all you want. It ain't going to matter. Um, and and I, so I feel a little bit bad for the writers. But I do think there's a lot of good stuff going on. I love Maggie and Victor. I love the reveal of Maggie's child. I think there's, I don't want to say it because I can't remember if it's been aired yet or not. <laughs> um, um, but but I, think, I think that they're really spreading the story well, very, very well. Um, I think as we build into November and we see the reveal of what Alice's secret was and how it ties in, and there's some big events coming up in November. There's going to be a wedding. Um, Bo and Hope are going to renew their vows, and there's also a separate wedding. There's a blizzard that, you know, in typical fashion, traps people together um, and, you know, kind of... And I love, much more than I could have ever imagined, I love the Jack-Jen-Daniel triangle. You know, Jen is kind of... It's the, it's the kind of triangle I love. You have people who are rooting on both sides, and the men are completely you know, different. Jack represents what Jen used to be. Daniel represents what she's trying to morph into. And it makes sense that she would be torn between these two guys. That's That to me is classic, classic soap opera. Well, my mother and grandmother both have weighed in and neither one of them want Jack anywhere near Jennifer, which surprised me because, you know, that is one of the couples that you seem to know about. If you know about Days of Our Lives, there are certain couples that come up along the way. But neither one of them, uh, my grandmother actually had very strong words to describe Jack, but one of the things that 
when you're talking about legacy, the thing that sort of bothers me or that I question, and I, I haven't discussed with anybody else, so I want to sort of get your opinion. It kind of is weird to me that you have a character, you have Alice, beloved matriarch, the actress passed away, so the character was written off, the character also passed away, and now you have this character revealing secrets sort of after they've died, and I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know if this is sort of trampling the memory or if this is really clever storytelling. What side of that fence do you weigh in on? I think it depends completely on what the secret turns out to be. You know, I think if it's a secret that tarnishes Alice's memory, then it's a huge mistake. But having talked to the writers, I get, and, and they didn't tell me specifically what the secret was, but I get the feeling that they're really respectful of the canvas and really respectful of the characters. And you even see that in the way that they've reintroduced people. And, and so um, as long as the secret isn't something that, you know, really turns Alice from donut baking grandma to, you know, that the, the, the white powder on her donuts was actually cocaine, <laughs> I'm, I'm oh, great with it because, because I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of soaps using their history um, and, and not rewriting their history, but using it. And if they do this right, that's what it'll be. It'll be them using, you know, one of the most beloved characters in the history of the show and propelling future story from her despite her not being on the canvas. And I, I think that's brilliant. Well, you talk about using history. There is unconfirmed as of the time that we're talking by NBC that Lisa Rinna might be returning as Billy Reed. Is this a good use of history? Um, you know, the last time that Billy was in town, it was uh, Julie Pinson playing the role, and it's been a while. But Lisa Rinna is certainly someone who has some uh, celebrity, some uh, some cachet outside of the world of daytime, and perhaps this will bring in some folks to sort of check out to see what on earth she would be doing in Days of Our Lives. Uh, you know, is this a, a good move, in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, I do think so, because I think that there's a lot of... I, I think, first of all, the Billy Hope uh, bow triangle was pretty popular in its time. And I think it didn't work so well when they tried to revisit it later. But, you know, you bring Lisa Rinna back, and you've got all three of these these very popular actors, and you put them in this story. Um, I think there are... I, I think, again, as with anything... No matter who you bring back to the canvas, whether it's a new character or being played by a popular actress or a familiar character being played by an actress, new or old, if it's not on the page, it's not on the stage. So really, you know, my first reaction to we're bringing Billy back is, oh, yeah, I can see that. That's a great move. But it depends on the story. Um, You know, I think think that's going to be the key is what brings Billy back um, you know, the fact is, her mom is on the canvas, her brother's on the canvas, so I don't, I don't have any problem with kind of, you know, boosting up that side of, of, of the, one of the families of Salem. Well, quickly before we move on to another topic, we have some more behind-the-scenes changes. We have Noel Maxim out as co-executive producer. Does that worry you that maybe there's some more uncertainty behind the scenes, or do you think this is just, you know, your standard business decision, sometimes things don't work out and, and they have to be tweaked and adjusted yeah it doesn't really bother me to be to be honest i mean um you know lisa lisa de Cosette was um you know she was a very good uh producer um i know a lot of people are nervous because she was attached to passions but you know as a producer she was she was very very good and, and she moved on to another show and i can't remember which one it was but i do remember that i seemed to 
think that it was a good move. I, I actually, I remember that when she was on Passions, I would interview her because um, she often did the um, story previews when we were doing like sweeps and things like that. And I always got the sense that she was someone who was very connected to the genre and had a really good, had a love of the genre. And, and I never have a problem with people who have a love of the genre, you know, being shifted into positions. So um, to me, it feels like a behind the scenes thing. It doesn't really feel like a big deal. Okay. Now they say to never ask a question that you don't know the answer to. So I'm going to just completely not listen to the advice. Have you been keeping up when with do you the? Ever? <laughs> pretty much. I mean, really. Has anybody ever listened to the like 94 episodes? Who knows what goes on here? But have you been keeping up with the antics of Dirty Soap? You know, I have and I haven't. Um, it's a hard show for me to watch, and and I don't know if you find this to be true as well. You know, as with any reality show, some of it is, let's just say, a little less real than <laughs> other parts. And and for those of us in the industry, it's uh, some of it is very easy to look at and be like, yeah, that ain't real. <laughs> you know, that is completely made up for the camera. And and so I I struggle with it. Um, I think it's a great idea. I think it's a lot of fun. I love that the fans are loving it. But for me, it's. It's it's sort of like once you've worked in the donut shop, you'll never eat another donut ever again. Trust me, I worked at Dunkin' Donuts, and I will never touch another one in my life. And it's sort of the same thing. When, you know, anybody who's too involved in the industry is going to sort of have trouble watching the show, I think. Well, I haven't worked in any donut shop, so I encourage anyone who wants to ply <laughs> me with free donuts to feel free to do so. Um, <laughs> I find it fascinating, but this is what I've actually enjoyed about this. It, it's maybe something that they didn't expect, but I've enjoyed watching Dirty Soap with friends and family who either really aren't up on the inner workings and the inside goings-on at soap operas, or... Folks who don't even really watch soap operas at all. I know it may be hard for people to believe that I associate with folks who don't watch soaps. Uh, it's very rare. But it's interesting to sort of see their response, to sort of see how they're, they're seeing this as you know, maybe like a, uh, a Real Housewives or you know, any one of those celebrity shows and them not knowing the characters and the storylines and everything like that. Uh, to see that people have been interested in it, and I think anything that brings attention to the soaps and gets that interest can't be seen as, as a bad thing, whether or not this has gotten the ratings that they wanted it to, uh, whether or not anybody has said, oh, wow, that, that Farrah is really coming off as a bitch. Let me go and see what her story is on One Life to Live. Or, you know, oh, wow, I feel bad for Kelly Monaco in, in having a long-term relationship that ended. Let me go and see if she's making out okay or, or Kirsten Storms and whether or not she's alive. Uh, you know, people didn't know what was going on with her for a while. Well, you know, because they, they, they let people believe that, that it was something really, really, really chronic, uh, really serious, I think. And certainly endometriosis, we had on last week's show a doctor who talked about it and laid out the, the real deal. Um, but I think that but, there were some folks who thought that she this. was very serious. Let me ask you this. Um, you know, speaking of questions that I don't know the answer to, and I, you know, I am not the insider everybody thinks I am. I sit in my office. I don't interact <laughs> with actors. I, you know, occasionally I interview a head writer. But um, let me ask you this. Do you think that, okay, I can't pronounce it, you know, endometriosis. Like uh, okay, whatever. Do you think that word, do you think that's why she's out now? No. Because 
I don't either. Well, and I think that's what I think that's what people are thinking is they're watching Dirty Soap and they're thinking that's why she's off General Hospital I think now. That it may and have, I don't think that's true. I think that it may have something to do with it. I think there may be some other things going on. I thought that perhaps um, she might be having some depression related to what was going on with her brother. Um, but last week when Dr. Dave E. David was on the show, he did say that not knowing certainly – Kirsten's uh, I, uh, individual situation, he did say that it was un, sort of unlikely and, and uh, something that he hadn't heard of for someone to have endometriosis and need to be sidelined for up to two months. He said that not knowing what was going on, that that makes him think that there would be have to be some sort of surgical intervention in her situation if it were really that bad. Um, he didn't go in to say what that was, but I know that for some folks, uh, you know, there have been uh, talk of, of hysterectomies for people with endometriosis, things of that nature. Um, so, I mean, there could be something else going on. It could be a totally different issue. She could have something else on top of it. You know, we really don't know. Uh, but, you know, we're talking about all of these medical things. So it, it leads a great sort of segue into General Hospital, which we talked a little bit about when you went on your rant at the top of the show. <laughs> you know, I expected you I was to, raving. I wasn't ranting. I ah, was raving. I was expecting you to say, oh, you know what, Dan? It's been such a great in the world of soaps. And you just took over and started yeah, talking about all no. these horrible things. But this, <laughs> there's some well, fun I'm about things. To talk about I'm about to talk about another horrible thing. Uh -oh. um, I, I don't know how fans are going to take this. Um, our new issue that is, you know, kind of out today, and but in a lot of markets doesn't come out till Monday. Um, it's going to cause some feathers to roll because, as <laughs> part of the uh, November sweeps preview, um, you know, it's the big Jason and Sam and Franco story, yes. and. Um, it's looking a lot like, you know, let's face it, I, you know, without even, I don't even have to come out and say it, because for weeks now, um, you know, Jason and Sam have endlessly talked about, should we have a baby? Should we not have a baby? Should we have a baby? Should we not have a baby? And um, that decision, I think, is going to be taken out of their hands, and it's going to be in a not-so-pleasant way, and I don't know how Sam fans are going to react. I will say this. The the issue that the the issue that this is on the cover of um, has usually we do an interview with an actor or actress involved with the story. In this case, we spoke directly to Garen Wolf, and um, and it was a really weird, interesting interview because he you know he's very big on spoilers. He doesn't like to give away a lot of stuff. So instead, he talked a lot about like the psychology of the characters and things, and he said some things about characters and even about fans and, and, and their, you know, their attitude toward characters and spoilers and stuff that were really interesting. But this is going to be a huge, huge, huge story in the next couple of weeks, um, the Jason Sam Franco stuff. I know people have been like, ugh, all Franco does is stand around and angrily paint. That's not good mm, drama. Well, not this be careful time. What you, yeah. yeah, be careful what you wish for because it's about to get really, really, really – that's going to be – like one of the big stories over the next couple of weeks. Well, let's – for folks, uh, they're obviously now – they're intrigued to find out more about that interview. Let them know what's on the cover so when they go to their local newsstands or supermarkets or wherever they may be, that they can look out for the copy of Soaps in Depth. It, it is actually – it is actually Jason, Sam, and Franco. Okay. Um, and the headline is – it's a quote, and the quote is, and baby makes four. <laughs> um, so – so you do the math and figure out what happens. Oh my goodness! Ah, uh, yeah, it, it's gonna be. Yeah, I, I don't know how fans are gonna react. Um, you know, um, I, you know, I've noticed a really bizarre and not particularly good pattern on GH of late, and that is this: 
characters have little have really really happy periods and you know that means something bad is going to happen like steve and olivia have been really happy lately and that means something bad is going to happen you know um um, matt and liz started getting close and what happens she gets thrown off a boat robin and patrick have a couple of love scenes what happens she gets attacked by you know crazy lisa (laughs) now jason and sam and 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 i figure and i have discovered that the the amount of time you spend or the amount of scenes in which you are shown being happy is in direct correlation to how bad the thing is that it happens to you and if you notice sam and jason have been really really happy the last few weeks oh gosh so, so the direct corollary is that something really really crappy is about to happen to them you don't need to break out your abacus at, at home friends that just means you could just conjure up your own thoughts it's going to be really bad but on the flip side hopefully it's going to be november which means we have thanksgiving which means maybe the quarter mains will get it right this year and have a real turkey with real fixins, maybe. Wouldn't that be that would be a cheat? Nobody <laughs> wants to see the quarter. Nobody wants to see the quarter Yet, you know, they want pizza. We want to see them end up with pizza. I will say this. You know, we were talking about the days reboot, and I want to just kind of for a second talk about the GH reboot. Sure. I, in some ways, I'm starting to feel like we were victims of a bait and switch because that first couple of weeks of the reboot, I was so high. I was like. Oh my God, look at this. Happy couples and love and romance and the hospital and, you know, less violence and it's not dark. And now here we are a little bit later and all of a sudden, you know, the quartermains who we had for those, for, during, at the beginning of the, when, you know, we had Monica and we had Tracy and we had Edward every day. Now we don't really see them anymore. And, you know, we had happy stories and now we have two psychos on the canvas at the same time and Lisa and Franco. I mean, it, it, it really, I, I I almost kind of regret being so excited about, you know, how great things were when it first started because I feel like I'm being punished now because it's not the show it was during those first few weeks. Well, you have for all that time that you were happy. We now have the extrapolation exactly. of how miserable you're going to be. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, you know, one of the other things that folks are still sort of rumbling about, we have the whole Windermere mystery and, <gasps> you know, the... Uh, Love it. Uh, babblings about whether or not maybe Jeannie Francis will be leaving the Young and the Restless permanently and could Laura return to General Hospital and just a whole lot of stuff in there. What are your sort of vagaries of what could potentially play out on GH? (laughs) Well, I love, 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 love the Windermere story. It's kind of a bright spot right now. I'm a big fan of, like, you know, big spooky houses and mysterious goings on. And and that's going to turn into a fun story that's going to involve, you know, a lot of our, I don't know if you call them younger, but our quote-unquote younger cast, like, you know, Spinelli and Maxie and Matt and Liz and all of them. Um, Ethan, I think, is going to play into that, too. And it's going to kind of all center on Windermere and what's going on there. And um, Windermere is going to become kind of a hot spot (laughs) for for that whole set. So I'm really psyched about that. I don't think... I think Laura's portrait is kind of being used as, you know, just sort of a, a prop in this story. I don't think that, you know, right now I have no no notion or inkling that she is going to be leaving Genoa City anytime soon. And, you know, I would I would hate to think that they're writing a story on General Hospital with the possibility that she might come back, you know. We'll just keep writing this and keep dragging it out until eventually she gets tired over at Wyatt. <laughs> that maybe we can convince her to come over here. 
Um, but I don't think that's what this story is going to be about. Um, but I do think it's going to be a really fun ride. Well, they can't drag it out too long, or the role of Laura Spencer will now be played by Katie Couric. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about things you can't drag out for much longer. We have One Life to Live, which will stop taping sometime in November. Not exactly sure when, but we've already heard from a couple of stars who aren't going to be making the move to the Internet. A whole lot of people are, but we have Terry Khan and we have apparently Robin Strasser revealed on Twitter earlier this week that she has no prospect in New York and will be moving to Los Angeles. So what are your thoughts on one life to live's possible transition to the internet and do you feel a little bit more optimistic about that than you do about all my children's well it's weird i i mean you know yes they've they've announced a lot more people signing on to one life to live but my basic um trepidation remains the same because the contracts and it's things. still it's about contracts and financing you know without either of those things in place you know it's it's still sort of much ado about nothing. So, oh my goodness, my TV just came on spooky. <laughs> That's weird. Oh, that was the Windermere oh, mystery. on a night when I'm home alone. Um, yeah, I've watched too many horror movies. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, like I'm really glad that these people are signing on, and I'm really hopeful, and um, I'm, I'm kind of optimistically pessimistic because, like I said, without the final stuff being put in place, it's still you know, sort of much ado about nothing. It could be the king walking down the street wearing no clothes. But I will say this. November sweeps, I'm sort of psyched for because, I, you know, we've got the wedding coming up, and, you know, there's only like three people left on the canvas that don't know who Liam's father is. So, you know, that's, that's one of the things that at least a few more people are going to find out, and maybe the whole thing will finally come out. Um, and that's that's a huge story for November, so I'm psyched about that. And I'm, you know, I will say I do wish that they hadn't killed off Trevor St. John because I think what would have been the really great story here would have been to see Victor and Todd fighting for the entire Lord Empire and for the women in their lives. You know, I think you could have gotten years and years worth of story out of that. So I'm really sorry that, um, you know, that Trevor St. John, you know, didn't want to sign on long term. And so they went this way and, and, and ended up killing him. I think it would have been a really fun story. Well, the good news is that if All My Children gets sidelined, perhaps we can have Dr. David Hayward come over and we'll find out that Victor is somewhere in a lab somewhere being kept alive <laughs> and isn't really dead. Well, I... I've said for a long time that, you know, that one of the possibilities of all this is is if they end up not being able to do both shows, that, you know, that you could easily, Landview and, and Pine Valley have crossed over before. It'd be very easy to bring, you know, a set of, of Pine Valley residents over oh. to Landview. It'd well, be that's, very easy. that's twice that you said it. Pine Valley is our magic word. We're going to put two more quarters in the pot. <laughs> to try to get these soaps on the air. So we'll make a 50-cent donation to that little can on my desk. Uh, I'll double it. <laughs> we've got a dollar. So I've been, I have been sending out money left and right because today on Twitter I, I announced that I was willing to pay Jason Morgan $200 if he would kill Franco, <laughs> and that's the start of our fund. We're actually collecting on Twitter and see. I mean, Jason's a, 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 he's, you know, he's a hitman for hire, so I'm going to try and raise enough money that we finally get Franco killed once and for all. Well, you know, hey, anything is possible. I guess they'll, they'll keep Franco around as long as uh, 
it seems to, to do something to the ratings. But while we were talking a little bit about these magic labs and, and uh, patients that may or may not be dead, one of the things that people have been talking about is the fact that there are talks that Eddie Alderson will be returning to One Life to Live. And what does that mean for Matthew? So, uh, you know, I think that Eddie said that the uh, Stars and Strikes event in, in New York that, you know, that Matthew's missed – being and dancing and doing whatever in, in Landview. So is there some good news on the horizon, or is this going to be something that people will end up saying, uh-oh, we have another medical impossibility going on? No, definitely. Matthew is going to wake up. Matthew will wake up, and of course, you know, everything has changed for Matthew because all of a sudden Matthew is a daddy and his two families are, and, and his family and Destiny's family are at war over this unborn child. So, you know, Matthew is going to wake up and be thrust right back into the center of things. And at the same time, let's not forget, you know, there's, there's the little matter of the fact that uh, that, that he's a murderer, and that still has to be dealt with. You know, here's here's Nora, his mother, going all around town, ranting and raving about wanting to put Victor behind, or, or Todd behind bars for Victor's murder or Irene's murder, and uh, and we've got her son is actually a killer. And that's the other big question that a lot of people have is, despite the fact that we, the audience, have seen repeatedly that Todd shot Victor, a lot of people think that that's not real. A lot of people think that Irene, you know, they were in a cell next to each other. A lot of people think that Irene may have planted that in his head and that somebody else on the canvas is actually the killer. Um, So there's that question hanging in the air as well. Well, 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 wouldn't that be, you know, it wouldn't be the first time that something like that has happened. Certainly maybe we can uh, come up with the name of an executive at a particular network that is the killer since they've killed (laughs) (laughs) just about everything else. Uh, We have one more soap left to talk about. We have about about 10 minutes left in the show, so we have enough time to talk about The Young and the Restless, of course. And uh, again, one of the big stories has nothing to do with what's playing out on screen, but a lot of fans are concerned about Jeannie Cooper being sidelined for what so far is an undisclosed medical condition. It's been said that it's uh, nothing apparently life-threatening that she'll be back to the show and Michael Learned will be stepping in for a bit. But it doesn't stop fans from when you have a longtime veteran, someone who is up in age, and they hear medical condition. You know, a lot of fans are, are certainly sending out prayers for Jeannie Cooper. My understanding is, and this is, you know, this is not confirmed or anything, it's just kind of the rumbling that I'm hearing, that it's probably pneumonia. Um, she's, she's had problems with pneumonia before um, and, 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 you know, fought little battles with it. So we don't know that for sure, but that's kind of the, the speculation du jour is that that's what it is. And, you know, we wish Jeannie the best. She is so loved by the entire daytime community you know people anybody who has ever met her anybody who's ever watched her she's just she's just loved and so you know um on on behalf of all of us out here who love you Jeannie, get well soon and come back to us because genoa city even with even with mama walton genoa city is not the same <laughs> without the real Catherine Chancellor. Oh, absolutely. Uh, certainly, we echo that as well. And, you know, how can you not love somebody who will accept an Emmy and use some salty language? I mean, you know it. Now, we're talking about November, some things that are coming up. We may or may not, will we ever find out who really killed Diane? And then we also have to you talk know, about the return of Melody Thomas Scott. So let's let's talk murder and mayhem first in Diane. 
Pour more away. To be honest, to be honest, these days, my instinct when it comes to saying, you know, okay, what's going to happen in November is to say more crappy stories Um, (laughs) because I'm so disappointed in YNR right now. I mean, this is this is this is this was one of my very first soaps. It's it's you know it's the standard bearer of soaps. It is always you know, and it still has great dialogue and, and some of the best actors in the business, but the stories. Let's face it, the stories are not very good right now. Yeah. Um, there is a lot going on, you know, with the, with the murders. And I think one of the couples to keep an eye on is Ronan and, and Phyllis, who, you know, um, there is gonna, they are going to move toward a Ronan, Phyllis, Nick, Avery quadrangle, um, which, you know, it just feels like I, I like I like all four of the actors. I think that... Jeff Branson and Michelle Stafford have some of the most crazy chemistry in the whole wide world. It's incredible to watch, but it just feels kind of random to put the, you know, that, that like, I just don't see Nick ever getting involved with Phyllis's sister. He would not hurt her that way, but you know, whatever it's the young and the restless in these days, <laughs> things don't always make sense. Um, Patty is back on the canvas, yes. um, but which has led a lot of people to believe that she is the killer. I have a different theory, and I've speculated about it for a long time now. Um, I think it's very interesting that we have two murders going, murder trials or murder cases going on at the same time. You know, we have skies being pushed into a volcano, and then we have um, uh, Diane's murder. And I think, you know, let's face it, nobody dies in Soapland anymore. I think Sky killed Diane. I could be crazy, but it just feels right to me. You know, it just, it wouldn't be, you know, Sky's come back from the dead, like, what, twice now? So why not? And the only thing that bothers me about that is those stupid pillows. Those stupid (laughs) pillows that were found in the hotel room, those are very, very Patty, you know those scream, Patty. Oh, hold on a minute. So you're going to tell me that Sky can crawl out of a volcano and yeah. survive, but Drusilla can't climb up from a cliff and somehow yes. be alive? Yes, um, I am going to tell you that. Um, um, you know, uh, there. I think. Let's just say that some people burn more bridges than others. <laughs> well, you know, you're talking about volcanoes. We have to have at least one volcano pun. And something of this magnitude, ugh, sorry. Oh, Lord, no, uh, you did not. Is, ugh. you know, is important. But when you're talking about things of magnitude, you have to talk about the return of someone who fans seem to go crazy over what may or may not have happened on screen, behind the screen. We've got Melody Thomas Scott returning, finally. In the month Thank of November. You grilled Jesus. She's finally <laughs> back. Um, you know, I don't remember in recent history um, so many people being so up in arms about so, something being that was so clearly a mistake. You know, like like having her off canvas was just dumb. You know, you there are certain actors who you can't replace and you can't take off the canvas and you should throw anything at them that they want to stay on the canvas. And Melody is one of those people. You know, Nikki is in many ways, Nikki and Kay and Victor are sort of the heart and soul of the young and the restless. You know, there's a lot of other characters on the canvas who can come and go as they see fit, but 
but some characters you have to have. Nikki's coming back, um, and and it's you know it's an interesting time in the family. Half of her clan is accused of murder. The other half is sleeping with people they shouldn't be sleeping with. Her husband has done some horrific stuff. By the way, Billy and Billy and um, Victoria fans, you know I know I know they've been apart for a long time. Halloween is going to be a really important time for them. All I'm going to say is they kiss. So, um, so there is some good Billy and Victoria stuff coming up. But anyway, Nikki coming back into the midst of all this, you know, she is a fragile, fragile flower who tends to like to take a drink when things get rough. So, you know, I think right off the bat, as soon as she comes back, she's going to have to be facing those same old demons. And by demons, I mean demon rum. So, so that's, although I, although her, her drink of choice is clearly vodka, but you know. Well, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll let her have her pick her poison. We are almost out of time for this show, so I have to ask you, of the soaps that are on the air, which do you think is the biggest must-see for November? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, for me, I'm guessing, even though I don't love everything on the show right now, I'm kind of going with General Hospital because I am intrigued to see the Sam Jason Franco stuff play out. I mean, that's, you know, one of those big kind of bold, dark stories. Um, so I kind of, I kind of have to lean there. Um, I think that's where I'm putting my money. You? I kind of think so too. More so not for that particular storyline, but I'm, am a sucker for the big mysteries. So the Windermere side really plays for me. Uh, you know, there's there's bits and pieces of, of storylines that I, I want to check out. I want to see when they're going to be on during the month so I can make sure that I, I hit those scenes. We talked about Stephanie and Eric on The Bold and Beautiful. There's some stuff on One Life to Live that I definitely am going to tune in, have to tune in to see. So it's sort of a mixed bag. There's not one that I'm looking forward to more than than the rest, I would say. I kind of agree. There's stories. Every show has one or two stories that I'm interested in, but no one show is like... A like everything on the canvas compels me, you know. So I mean, that's that's sort of not necessarily a bad thing as long as there's something for someone, for everyone that appeals out there. They'll they'll tune in, they'll keep tuning in, and maybe hopefully get hooked on a storyline that maybe they didn't think that they would. Uh, in getting hooked on things, fans can easily get hooked on your numerous Twitter accounts. We've got. <laughs> I, I don't know where you'd like to send them, but of course we've got Soaps in Depth ABC, we've got Soaps in Depth CBS, uh, we have some other accounts that you write from, or any of those that you'd like fans to follow you at. Well, if people, you know, I, everybody knows my soap accounts. I also have an account called How Rude Are You? That's sort of my personal account, and that is, you know, that is where um, you can find the sort of more uncensored or unfeathered me and i talk about a lot of stuff on their politics and television and you know anything that happens across my brain at any given time so that's just like my normal twitter account and people are welcome to follow me there i i've got a lot of fun people over there and we have the and baby makes four cover for the abc version of soaps and depth magazine what is going to be on the cbs version that cbs soap fans will want to check out uh, the week after that, the CBS cover is oh, it's it's it includes Nikki. Um, it's Nikki and Adam and Victoria. 
It's a whole lot. You guys like to put a whole lot of people on your covers all at once, just sort of, <laughs> just sort of make it, sure yeah, that they get attention. Yeah, usually there's yeah, usually there's one main image with three people and then some insets around them, and then the one in the middle is usually the cover story, and the others are usually like news stories. Okay. Well, Richard, I want to thank you so much for taking time out to chat about all kinds of craziness. You can't go uh, away for more than four months again because then there's far too much to catch up on in the course of one show. Anytime. And for everybody out there, if you've missed any part of today's show or just want to hear it again, you can head over to SoapCentral.com slash radio. You'll have downloading options and streaming options for every show that we've aired since January of 2010. As I've mentioned, that is now 94 episodes, so we're coming up on that big 100th special. have no idea what I'm doing for that, but Woo-hoo! we're going to have to do something special, uh, maybe a look back. And uh, next week, we're going to have some... November Sweeps events here on Soap Central Live. I can't tell you all about them just yet, but expect some of your favorite stars from daytime, some surprises, some contests. Of course, we'll be giving away a whole lot more. Don't forget the SoapCentral.com pet photo contest at SoapCentral.com slash pets. So until we meet again for the continuing saga of Soap Central Live, I'm Dan Kroll. I hope that you'll join us again every Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific for Soap Central Live. Join us next time for the continuing story of all your favorite soaps. Tune in next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition of Soap Central Live on the Voice America Variety Channel. (music) 